looking forward to a whole new season. Welcome to Hand of Pod. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to episode 347 of Hand of Pod. I'm Sam Kelly, and this week I'm joined to preview the 2019-20 Superliga season by Andres. Hello, welcome. And Julian. Hi, nice to be here. Welcome back, Julian. Thanks. Um, we are sponsored uh, once again. I'm delighted to announce by Fanatis. Uh, if you are anywhere in the world outside Latin America, or almost anywhere in the world outside Latin America, you can use Fanatis' excellent online service to legally and in HD watch the Argentine Superliga, the Copa Argentina, um, and a few other domestic competitions from around South America. Um, you, If you're in lucky enough, or unlucky enough, to live in the United States of America, uh, then you can also use it to watch uh, the Copa Libertadores and the Sudamericana via their tie-ins with Gold TV and uh, that other lot. I can't remember who. Um, as well as the in sports. Thank you, Andres. Well, well done. Uh, as well as loads of other um, competitions as well through those. Uh, wherever you are, the Superliga and the Copa Argentina are either live or on demand as well. So if you miss a match, then you can catch up with it. And the best thing of all is that if you're a Hand of Pod listener, which you are if you're hearing this, um, then you can get a seven-day free trial and a 20% discount on your first three months of the service. Uh, you can do that by going to fntz.co slash hop and plugging in the discount code HOPFZ. So check it out now so that they know who sent you and um, enjoy. I was just about to start reading out the, the uh, results since we last recorded, but there haven't been any because we haven't had the first weekend of the Superliga yet. Um, there have been a couple in the Copa Argentina, yeah. which we'll be mentioning, no doubt, in the course of, of this preview. The most noteworthy is probably that River Plate... Uh, well, actually, there are two noteworthy ones. One is that River Plate were taken to penalties but eventually eliminated um, Gimnasia y Esgrima de Mendoza. Um, and the other is that on Sunday... I think Sunday, right? In one of the bigger shocks in the Copa Argentina's short history, Racing, the reigning league champions of the country, um, were dumped out by... Boca Unidos. Thank you. De Corrientes. He was desperately struggling to, to try and remember who it was before I finished that sentence, and I couldn't. Uh, by Boca Unidos, not Boca Juniors. Um, maybe it's not really that big of a shock, though, because this is like the third time in a row that Racing have been knocked out by lower league opposition. Um, but anyway... We will cover the Copa Argentina a little bit in a short while. For now, the Superliga's back. And it's, it's back. definitely going to happen on Friday. Uh, and it has been uh, official, officially uh, decided to change the number of relegated teams. Yes, uh, there, there were some very minor worries uh, last week um, during our week off. 
about whether the season would actually start on time. The executive committee of the Superliga had a meeting. There was a bit of an argument, um, and there was some quiet whisperings that, that it might have to be delayed. But on Monday, an agreement was struck, and yesterday, right? Yeah, yesterday. Was yesterday. It, um, so on, on Tuesday, Tuesday? No, that doesn't sound right. No, it was earlier today. Today's Wednesday. I've had a Today's really long day uh, running around all over the city. And yeah, it was earlier today, on Wednesday. Uh, the executive committee voted through as expected so that the, um, the ultimate outcome of it, as Andres says, is that the number of relegations at the end of the season has been reduced to three. Uh, obviously with two coming up still from the Bay Nacional which isn't going to be called the Bay Nacional anymore I think we talked about that two weeks ago didn't we yes. it's now going to be called the Primera Nacional the second division um, but uh, two teams replacing three which means we're only going to be going one smaller per season from now on but they're going to take it all the way down to 20 teams and when they get to 20 teams yes yeah. for 2023 and when they get to 20 teams at least there was a motion table today um, to vote on eliminating the promedios, the points average system, or average points system, um, when they get down there. Ultimately, beyond allowing this season to start and only relegating three teams at the end of this season that's about to begin, um, the rest of that doesn't really mean anything. Because next next year they're just going to hold another load of these votes yeah. and reverse it or say, you know what, actually maybe 30 teams wasn't such a bad idea, let's promote 12 at the end of this season or something like that. Yeah, planning in advance to 2023 in Argentine football is like, they could just say we're going to play in the moon and it will be equally believable. So, yeah, I think it's a step forward that they actually will start on time this time. And Superliga seems to be taking notice of that. And so at least they can do that. That's all I can say about it. There was another idea before uh, this, which has been uh, stated, uh, which was to divide the four the four uh, relegations into two with the promedios and two with the points or not the, the average, uh, but of course they did, this didn't uh, succeed. Uh, yeah, that would have been a, a much more Argentinian way of, yes. of handling things to have the the average point system and the table relegation coexist. But uh, fortunately, they opted. I think it's a a good compromise having three three relegations and actually having 20 teams instead of 18 which was the proposed goal at some point I, I didn't know yeah. why yeah why, why for a while have... they seem to have taken it to 22 as well which I think was where they've been going to stop after next season if both, been both 22 and 18 that. seems 18 I mean 18 is is uh, the number that you have in the top flight in Germany I, yeah, I think it can work but in a league where they've already got both a mid mid-year break and a mid-season break for the summer um, I think it's a little bit of overkill to then also barely have any matches as well and when nine teams uh, qualify to Cups uh, of course in, the, in that case there will be less perhaps uh, qualified to Libertadores or Americana but at this point there was nine in, in total between uh, Copa Libertadores and Sudamericana and it will be really a mess to, to, to organise that they should have aimed for like a 40, 14 win, 14 team top flight, so as to have the, both the most teams in the top flight and the less teams. And that should have been, that would have been funny. Yes. But, uh, yeah, yeah. They'd have been competing with Scotland or. Yeah, something like that. Like, yeah. yeah. 13 or a number absolutely Sign- bogus. Significantly uh, smaller countries yeah. um, than Argentina. The uh, country that brought you 30 team 
first league will get you the 12 team first league or something like that. Uh, but I, I like 20, I think. And they, I will begin. Uh, I hope they, someday they, they get to 20 teams in the top flight. That would be. Yeah, so do I. That, that's all I'm, I'm going to. I can't. The thing is, they'll get to 20, but then they get back the torneo of Cortos, and then we have. <laughs> Yeah, which is another thing that... that uh, Nobody will that, mind that there's 20 teams, so that's... It's just yeah. maddening. Um, but yeah, it, it'll be a massive relief and it'll feel like we've won some sanity back. And actually what it will be is we'll be back where we were nine years previously in 2014. 2014-15, yeah. <laughs> um, before Julio Grandona died. Uh, and with, with a 20-team top flight. Which is like, well, okay, so you've had this whole ridiculous experiment and it's led to nothing, but that's, that's Argentine football for you. Um, if you are listening, then I'm going to really quickly apologise. The, the buses or trucks or whatever those are down on the road seem much more whooshy than they normally do. I've not got a window open or anything, I swear. Um, I don't know whether that's going to be picked up by the microphone or not, but if it is, sorry. Anyway, moving on. I think one of the um, key themes that we're always obliged to cover, however tedious we personally might find it, um, in a new season preview is who's had the best winter transfer window? Oh. It's a bit of a tricky question to answer because the Argentine winter transfer window continues on into like mid-September or something. Um, and it has been, I think, uh, even... Uh, I don't know how to say it. Uh, there will be more time to... For, especially for teams who sell players, uh, more time to sign, sign mm. uh, new ones. Um, and they didn't, didn't uh, say... Uh, when will be that date, the, the new date? But they know that it will be like this. And uh, yes, it's. I think it's a tricky question. But I always say that Boca is the team that get the best uh, players in. Uh, and and there is a new one which uh, previous to this episode it, uh, we should have mentioned it as smoke, but it finally isn't. Well, we did mention it as smoke. Yes. We, we didn't see any possible way that anybody sensible um, could have, um, have talked Daniel De Rossi into coming here. And in fact, for a long time, it seemed like Daniel De Rossi agreed with us because he announced his retirement from football. And then a couple of weeks ago, no. It's a, is it a win, ago, is it a win said, if you sign a retired football player, even though it's Daniel De Rossi? Or no? Because, I don't know. At, uh, I, I feel like Boca signed be. Daniel De Rossi, but he's an yeah. ex-player, basically. So. But, but they've managed to tempt him back out of retirement. Is that a good thing? For like four months or something. Do you want your marquee signing to be someone tempted out of retirement? Or do you want it to be a proper football player? I don't know. If it's a World Cup winner, then he is a World Cup winner, isn't yeah, he? He's, yeah, he's he is. The youngest squad member of that uh, Italy World Cup. Was he? Yeah, 22 years old. Of course, yeah, that's a long time ago, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Julian, you probably have a better handle than we do on, on the finer details of, of the negotiations he, he got on the plane last night right is he in Buenos Aires now? today he got on the plane today ah, okay, right. he's actually as we record this he's travelling from Rome to Argentina and as I understood it I, I've seen a few people saying that, that he has signed an 8 month contract but what I read was that it's till the end of this year as far as I know he hasn't signed he's agreed verbally to, to sign yeah, like the contract I, that he signs tomorrow is going to be for how long do we know at least until June 2020, so it's the end oh, of the Superliga. Okay. Yeah. But it will have, uh, as I understand it, two outs, two possible outs. I, Before the... I think coinciding with uh, 
end of the Copa Libertadores or if Boca eliminated the Copa Libertadores and I don't know the other one I guess when he realizes how humid it can get in January in Buenos Aires man Rome's pretty humid have you been not, to Rome? Not, yeah no actually I haven't that's a very good point and not, not that it will um, not, not that it'll have to be here in January because there won't be any football for nearly all of the months yeah so I don't know what what the the outs are the possible contract terminations are but yeah it's quite surprising Uh, but actually, I, I think everyone dismissed it as uh, smoke and mirrors from the start. But uh, as far as I've been told, Burdizo was very confident that he had a real chance of happening because Daniel Rossi actually said it to him. And in fact, it was like that. He just said, I need some time. I don't know what mm -hmm. I'm going to do if I'm going to play the States, I'm going to play wherever. And that's it. Is he coming down on his own? I don't think so. No, no, I think he's bringing his wife and kids. There's those those rumors were going around about uh, his kids' uh, school, yeah. uh, someone looking for schools, Italian schools down here. I think we're actually true, so as far as I know, and someone, again, says something about that. There we go. It should be interesting to, to see. Where's he going to slot into this Boca team? Is, is he going to slot into this Boca team? I don't know. If Boca lose today... 4-0 uh, against Atletico Paranaense in the first leg. Is he still playing? I don't know. <laughs> anyway, he won't be able to play there, uh, at least for the second leg. He will be able for quarterfinals if Boca advances. Yeah, the teams involved in the Copa Libertadores, not just the Argentine teams, but all of the teams. Uh, this is a Libertadores regulation rather than an AFA regulation, to be clear. Um, are allowed to make up to six squad changes. No, five now. It's five now, is it? Yeah. Right. So they're allowed to make up to five squad changes now, in inverted commas, before the last 16 began, which it now has, because um, last night, on Tuesday evening, the, the first two games of it were played. Um, the first three games, sorry. Um, no, but you're still allowed. allowed I think to make, uh, I mean, after the last 16, and if, if you've only made, say, three, then you're allowed to make two. No, no, I think right. they're both independent. If you make, you can make five now, yeah. and you can make... Uh, Two, two extra after. ones uh, oh, okay. after the this round. So, uh, uh, and I think you're allowed to make them uh, 24 hours prior to your to starting yeah. match, even though the other matches have started. So, yeah. Um, so Daniel Di Rossi will be assuming that he does indeed sign the contract um, because you never take anything for granted in Argentine football. But uh, we're, we're pretty sure he's going to. Um, he will be replacing Naitan Nandes in Boca's squad yeah, should they reach the quarterfinals of the Copa Libertadores. We don't want to jinx them, of course. Um, Naitan Nandes is off to Cagliari, Cagliari yeah. um, for about $20 million. And Boca have also... Have they now sold Dario Benedetto? To yeah, I think, I think he's There was sold. some stuff out yesterday saying, oh, he's, he's injured, the transfer's off, and I can still, only find TNT I saying it, nobody I, else. So. There's no way to know it, because uh, Boca were allowed to make five changes for this round, and they decided to make four. One mm. of those, they didn't swap out Benedetto, so Benedetto is in Boca Libertadores squad, or squad list, and he's injured and or sold and so I, I don't understand why you wouldn't make that change now sold for like 30 million dollars or something no or less less. less 60 million euro I think 60, ah that's right sorry I was yeah. I'm getting it mixed up because there was a thing saying that uh, Prato could be on, on his way from River really? for that amount similar to, to the similar to Nandes I, 
it's mind-boggling why they didn't actually swap him out now instead of waiting and mm. you could have the seven changes even though you don't make them if you get someone injured you're swapping Benedetto out and with the Rossi in and yeah. any injured player from here I don't he's know. not traveled with the squad whether no, whether he's yeah. uh, you know whether, whether he's injured not, or he's whether he's sold or whether he actually ends up staying with Boca he's not gone to Brazil for, for Wednesday evening's game he's an unused um, and they won't use him on the yeah, it's weird. I, I'm a little bit confused about why Marseille are paying, you know, not by European standards, it's a long way from a stratospheric transfer fee these days, but it's still good money for a player who, in his last 16 or 17 games, I think I read yesterday, has scored like three goals. Yeah, maybe. He's, he's dropped off form since the turn of the... Because last year, I remember pointing out on Twitter during the first leg of the Libertadores final, which I watched in England with the... English commentators, who of course haven't covered the whole rest of the Libertadores because the final only they sold the rights when it turned out to be River Boca. And he said, Oh, Dario Benedetto's barely scored any goals this year. And I remember pointing out to people the reason that he's barely scored any goals is that he's been injured hasn't all year. Um, so it's not that much of a surprise that actually he comes back and scores because he's a really good striker. But so far in 2019, his form has been patchy. Um, and I think from Boca's point of view, if you, if you can get that amount of money for him, then it's a good deal. Nandes yeah. is going to be... I don't think... Right, especially right. with Ramon Abila, you know, they've got a ready-made replacement already who can come in and play to ah. a not dissimilar standard for the vast majority of the matches. I don't think that's a good... Uh, huh? It's a bargain if you consider it from the European club's point of view, paying, what, 80 million dollars for a, yeah, but a, for 20, a striker? Like if a 29-year-old striker, it's not... Yeah, but goals are, are, are hard to come by. Yeah. And if... Uh, you're being what you get. Well, see, he, he might catch fire when he gets there, but I think it's going to be an interesting one to and, watch. And, and the Gun, the the French league, it's not the no, sorry, it's to, not Serie A or the Premier League or La Liga, but um, but in Boca's case, we'll how I don't know if you can get a replacement for Benedetto at that quality at that level for that money that would actually come to Argentina. Mm-hmm. Who can for you targeting? No, but you, I mean, like I say, you've got Maro Sarate and, and Ramon Avila in the attack already. They're yeah, not yeah Avila, but Avila has been for the Super as bad as Benedetto in 2019, yeah. or worse, yeah. Hmm. Uh, so I'm not, I'm not sold on Avila as a permanent replacement for Benedetto, and I think Boca should look for another striker as a replacement. As, as a Boca fan, how are you sold on Gustavo Alfaro as the manager? Um, More so than at the start of the year when he took charge, or still? Yeah, he's uh, he's done well, I think. Mm-hmm. Nobody could have expected he would have done much better than this, but he's got a, a low ceiling for me. So I would have much preferred someone, maybe the uh, on the Becasese type or Heinze, uh, which would have been either a, a huge success or a disaster, but. Uh, You've got nothing to lose at that point. What what what's going to do? Alfaro was gonna always going to be a average, either for the bad or for the good. I don't think he has that high ceiling now. Keep them ticking over. Yeah. Mentioning Becasese is a nice way of segueing into another of the big five, uh, because as most of you listening will be aware, he has become the manager of Independiente. It's becoming. Um, a bit of a trend now for Independiente to appoint Defensivo Dicio's manager as their own. Uh, he's followed Ariel Olan over to the red side of Avellaneda. Yesterday, while River versus... Um, 
Cruzeiro, thank you. I'm getting all these Brazilian sides playing Argentine sides mixed up. And it was such a dull game. We'll talk about it in a minute. Um, while that was being played, I saw something on Twitter saying that uh, Lucas Romero of Cruzeiro um, has been told that if he wants to sign for Independiente which he is expected to do or has been expected to do then he's going to have to make Diego Bragarnik his his, um, agent which is interesting given what you might remember if you listened to our Defensa Justicia chat a few months ago um, given that Bragarnik is the man who built Defensa Justicia's modern team and that again Becasese has just moved from Defensa Justicia to Independiente some links there? Yeah, obviously. It, do you think there's actually anything to it, or is this just... I don't know if there's actually right anything to it, but Defensive Justicia has, over the years, been made up of uh, Bragarnik players. Oh, there's definitely something to that. Yeah, yeah. But. And not only Defensive Justicia, also uh, Godi Cruz, it's another Bragarnik team, from top to bottom, and Racing, in most cases, was... Uh, Dio Goka was uh, before Codette was uh, also had a Bragarnik as his agent and many players were playing and, uh, against Racing someone uh, teased that, that there should be uh, inside the Argentina Liga Bragarnik Cup <laughs> match the teams from which all had their teams yeah I don't think it's that much uh, maybe it's just an excuse for not signing him he actually went uh, I think left the game with a an injury yesterday, so... Yes. Yeah, yeah, he was subbed off. I didn't see what it was for. Yeah. by that point, I'd started to... I know how, do it, how serious that was, but uh, it might impair his, his transfers. That's it. Hmm. Uh, for what it's worth, Becacese said that is uh, key to his to his plans, that the uh, central midfielder is the uh, most important uh, position in his, in his scheme, so he wanted Romero for that. They, they first looked for Menossi, but Menossi he's playing for, for San Lorenzo right now so uh, now they are looking for, for him yeah um, medium short medium long term listeners um, anybody who was listening during the second half of last season will know already or, or at least be able to guess what I think of um, Menossi signing for San Lorenzo he, he could have gone to a much better team than San Lorenzo um, and he would have improved them in my opinion but San Lorenzo's winter moves Although, generally speaking, I don't like to go on about just lists of transfers. San Lorenzo have done a very interesting job of rebuilding a team that badly needed rebuilding. Because if they don't get off to a winning start, um, then they're going to be in trouble in the relegation table. Um, Jorge Almiron has left as manager. He has been uh, replaced by Juan Antonio Pizzi, who, of course, masterminded... Uh, oh no! Hang on, that was a gun of Bowser, didn't it? Wasn't yeah, but uh, um, they won the league with Pichi. the league title. Thank you very much. Yeah, um, and um, uh, he pretty much masterminded the team that eventually mm. won the Bowser made yeah, minor, minor changes put it together, and then Bowser saw them to the to the trophy. Uh, they have signed the Piton brothers, both of them from Union, Bruno and Mauro. They've signed um, Ezequiel Ceruti from they've signed two pairs of brothers. I don't think they ever has uh, that happened in football. They sent the Piton brothers and the Romero brothers. Have they signed the Romero brothers? Apparently, they they had. Oh, uh, well. But yeah, I imagine in football and, and until they actually signed. But uh, mm. as far as they've told, they they had them. 
Um, I hadn't heard that it had been com- uh, completed, but then I, I haven't spent an awful lot of time no, on, it hasn't on been Twitter completed. yet this week. But we, 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 we will see. We're on, we're on the brink of something historic, potentially. Yeah. At least in the professional era. I'm sure that at some, you know, some of the British clubs back they in the 1900s... They both look quite alike. Uh, the the Piton Brothers and the Romero Brothers. They, yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you wouldn't want to pick them out of an identity parade. Uh, Lucas Menossi, obviously, from, from Tigre, I think is a fantastic signing, as I've just mentioned. Um... And they've let go a fair amount of dead wood, although I am struck by the fact... Dead wood meaning Colombians? I believe, yes, several of them. Um, but I believe that Fernando Bellucci, I'm not noticed whether he's playing tonight because I'm facing away from the television. Um, no, he's, 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 he's starting still, tonight. He is, yeah. He's, he's still going to be starting in the midfield, which isn't sort of... He's, he's not awful, but it's been so many years now since he was at his peak that I, I'm just struggle to understand why he's still at one of the big five teams. Oh, and then, obviously, I watched San Lorenzo and I remember why he's still there, because they're pitiful. Um, yeah, he's been good. Maybe they'll be uh, uh, He's been good as long as he's healthy, but the thing is, he hasn't been healthy at all. Mm. And as I, someone described it to me, he tends to think he's not healthy, which only compounds on the problem. Yeah. And he's like 35 or 36 or something as well. I mean, his knees... Uh, I think a little younger, but uh, he's got quite the miles on, on his body. And, and again, he tends not to think he's fully healthy unless he's actually 100%. So he has nicks and here and there. And those make him feel like he can't play at his full strength. 10th of September, 1983. So he's 36 oh, in a yeah. couple of months' time. Mm. Told you. Um, yeah, it, it, it's um, it, it's a bit of a, a funny team. I th- I'm going to be interested to, to I say this having just told you all that I'm sitting with essentially with my back to the television. Uh, but I'm going to be interested to see how San Lorenzo start the season um, domestically because, as I said, they're, they're right up in it. We will talk about the relegation battle in a bit more detail in a few minutes' time. Um, to complete our quick look around the Big Five, uh, we still want to cover the two R teams. Champions of Argentina, first of all, Racing. Um, to me, they look pretty well poised to potentially defend the title. Can they do it? Yeah, they can. They're out of the of the Copa Argentina, so they don't have any extra matches. Yeah, they're, yeah. the, they're out of the Sudamericana because yeah. they got themselves knocked out of it earlier this year, so they didn't they, cock up. That's but the, that's the, how the title, they took an advantage on the rest of them uh, on the previous championship. Uh, everyone was... Kiron, uh, Libertadores and yeah. all the other competitions that they just took a huge advantage. Um, yeah, they could. They lost Paul Fernandez, who I think was uh, quite key to Godet's, uh, to Godet's scheme and, and actual mm-hmm. game plan, but uh, they replaced him with uh, Montoya, former of uh, Rosario Central, and Sevilla, who Godet managed at, at Rosario Central and actually yeah, made a, a useful player of. And if they can, he had a lousy spell at Cruz Azul, but if they can get him to his former level, I think he could actually be a, an improvement over Paul Fernandes. And they've got Matias Rojas from yeah. Defensa Justicios. I mean, apart from being a free kick specialist, is also a, an interesting addition to that midfield. Yeah, because they never, really... never had a full uh, permanent and, and confident left back on his squad he, he alternated between Soto and, and uh, Chilean Mena mm. but he uh, he fell off Mena fell off his 
was used as a backup mostly on the on the final stages. So and yeah, he also signed Barbona, who I don't really know whether he can uh, be good, uh, do good in the the well in, the, in a um, big team. But uh, well, it's another another signing for for them. Yeah, um, and it should be interesting finding out. And, and their their list of players out is pretty long. But when you look through them, other than Paul Fernandez. Uh, and obviously Ricky Centurion, who had to go, regardless yeah. of his undeniable He was time. gone. Um, he has gone well, well before the, the season ended, so yeah. Yeah, and, and the only other really big loss, I think, is, is Renzo Sarabia, who's, who's gone to Porto for a whole load of money. Yeah. Um, and and good luck to him. And other than that, I think most of the others could be classed as... Oh, maybe Jonathan Cabral, actually. That's the name that just jumped out to me. But the others are largely just sort of dead wood players nah, who weren't I really think it doing anything to... anyway. Can can Sitanich so, and, and Lisandro Lopez sustain their their production? They're yeah. both uh, older players and um, had Lisandro Lopez had his career season last year. So yeah. uh, if Lisandro Lopez can stay at, at that level, they'll contend and probably be able to repeat. But uh, would you bet on a I don't know thirty seven year old, thirty six year old? Somewhere like that, isn't yeah. It? yeah. Thirty six year old on having that. Kind of performance, two seasons in a row. It's. I wonder which Lisandro Lopez comes up when you type Lisandro Lopez into Wikipedia. Yeah, it's the Racing one. Okay. Yeah. Uh, for the footballer with the same name, see Lisandro Lopez. Yeah, thanks for that. Um, yeah, he is. Oh, he's like five months older than um, than Bellucci. He's already thirty-six. Uh, so there we go. Yeah. yeah, but he plays such an integral part of the other championship. Yeah. Was there? Best player and top goal scorer and... Everywhere on the pitch everywhere, as well. Yeah, it was remarkable. Um, the other team of the Big Five who we've not yet mentioned are River Plate. Um, they've not made any signings. Yeah, there's they? a... Yet. Is Paolo Diaz in? No, Chris? not yet. Not yet, but... Uh, but the Ali, the Arabian team, hasn't included include him in the list, squad list for, for the yeah, those... HM Champions League. So that... A funny idea for those Arabians that actually want money for their players and not just hand them over to the Argentines. Yeah, it's bizarre, isn't it? Yeah. Um, Who would have known? He's it, training in, at Palestino uh, with the Palestinian squad because he's from there. For, for he, his debut was at Palestino. Uh, that's the Chilean club, Palestino, yes. in case anybody's getting confused about a Gulf country sending a player to train in Palestine. Yes. Yeah, he did a, had a great spell with San Lorenzo and he's a mm. really good player. He can play both. Uh, full-back and centre-back. Yeah, it, it should be an interesting addition. He was a member of the Chilean squad at the Copa America and did fairly well. Mm. The thing is, uh, there's a like a, a conflict between if we actually have money to sign players or not, don't, they don't. Yeah. Uh, Gachardo said publicly that uh, nobody told him that River needed to sell players to buy players, but they haven't signed anyone and they haven't sold anyone. He's also said that he's basically happy with the squad as it is and yeah. when you look at the squad you think and, and, and when you look at how he's managed that squad now for a number of years you think yeah I mean why wouldn't he be he's, he's putting his faith in, in some of the kids coming through Christian Ferreira and Julian Alvarez are both going to um, play even bigger roles I think this coming season than they did last season um, in the first team we saw both of them last night against Cruzeiro um, and yeah I think that the biggest the, the the biggest gap in River's team probably is at, at the, this point is is a playmaker because Nicolas de la Cruz 
has had some very impressive matches, but he's not doing it consistently. But then, from Rivers' point of view, you don't want to go out and spend loads of money on a playmaker when in a few months' time you're going to get Quintero back. the best yeah. one in South America coming back from injury. It's going to be like a new signing, just at what? If his recuperation goes according to the timetable, then he's going to be coming back, what, just in time for maybe the semi finals of the Libertadores or something? If they yeah, get yeah. I think he'll, he might be earlier. Yeah? Uh, yeah. The end of September is the date in which he will be fully recovered from the injury, but then he will have to uh, be in rhythm uh, with the ball footballistically. Um, I don't know how much they can get out of Skoko. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? I think, yes, uh, I, I think he's now below Alvarez in the pecking order. In terms I of heard uh, someone mentioned yesterday that Skoko hasn't played 90 minutes for uh, last time he played 90 minutes was uh, 11 months ago so you can't count on a player I'm, I'm almost surprised it was that recent you can't count on a player that has has that poor form so yeah. who's their uh, attacking or picking order uh, a Prato up front who's actually injured and missed yesterday's game yeah Borre Suarez Borre I think had a pretty iffy first half of 2019 I don't know what you think Andres yes, yes of course um I'd say, you know, yesterday we, we saw Matias Suarez and um, Julian Alvarez starting up front and offside each other. I think that's probably the the next two behind. Yeah, Matias Suarez is on the wrong side of 32, so yeah. well, how much can he give you? He's he not was, a current Argentina international. Yeah, unbelievably <laughs> so. Uh, I actually think he's the third best forward in, in River squad and he's actually in Argentina, hmm. in Argentina's national team, so... But it's Prato and Suarez and then the, the kids, I guess. And Skoko, maybe. And Borre. Yeah. It's, it's not a bad cast of understudies, but yeah, but I, I see what you're saying. Below Prato, um, there's, you, you're taking a bit of a gamble, let's say. Um, anyway, if, some, if there is something that Gallardo was able to do or managed to do was to build teams with no... Uh, Great names. Uh, of course, this time is the case because after the nil-nil draw, they got against Cruzeiro. But I think they, they had more names almost every season with than with Gallardo than, than this time. This time it's mostly Gallardo makes something happen or something like that. Because uh, again, yesterday Pinola went down and uh, Rojas came in and. Do we trust Rojas in Copa Libertadores? Eh. Well, that's why they're trying to sign Pablo Diaz. Yeah, I guess. Presumably. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, we're going to take a half-time break now. When we come back, we will talk a little bit more about the league itself. We'll, we'll, we'll go over um, some of the, the teams who we expect to do well. We, we'll go over some of the teams who have to do well. Um, but, <coughs> excuse me, by looking at the relegation table. Um, and we will also take you through what's going on with the last 16 of the Copa Libertadores so don't go away The 24 teams 
which will be making up this season in the Superliga, listed in alphabetical order are Aldo Civi, Argentinos Juniors, Arsenal de Sarandí, welcome back to the top flight for them, Atletico Tucumán, Banfield, Boca Juniors, Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero, who were last in the top flight in the late 70s, something like that, about 40 years ago, I think. Don't really know. Uh, Colón, Defensa y Justicia, Estudiantes de la Plata, Gimnasia y Esgrima de la Plata, Godoy Cruz Antonio Tomba, Huracán, Independiente, Lanús, Newell's Old Boys, Patronato de la Juventud Católica, Racing Club, River Plate, Rosario Central, San Lorenzo, Tacheres, Unión, and Vélez Sarsfield. The top four teams will go into the 2021 Copa Libertadores and the teams from 5th to 9th will go to the Copa Sudamericana of that same year. So, who's in the relegation zone? Um, if you're listening to Handapod for the first time, if this is your first season attempting to follow Argentine football, then you might be asking, Sam, why are you asking who's in the relegation zone before any matches have been played? The reason is that here in Argentina, just to refresh your memories, um, relegation is done over three seasons. There is an uh, Everybody's points are added together and then divided by the number of matches that they have played in that time, in the current division. Uh, so in the case of the newly promoted teams, they currently have no points from no matches. Uh, but in the case of the teams above them, some of them have points from matches. Well, all of them have got points. Some of them have played matches. Um... So, uh, right now, Central Córdoba de Santiago del Estero and Arsenal de Sarandí, the two promoted sides, have nothing at all. Um, but above them, some of these teams are already in trouble. And in case you're wondering, or if you're a longer-term listener, then, just to remind you, this system is not going to exist anymore in any of the lower divisions starting this season. The Superliga, the most professional, well-run, foreign-friendly for television rights uh, division in Argentine football is now the only one that is using this ridiculous, antiquated, corrupt, stupid relegation system. Um, and long may it continue, he says entirely sarcastically, because you all know I hate it. Um, anyway, the teams who really need to get their acts together are Gimnasia, um, who are currently in the relegation zone if the season were to finish today, although that would be, as I say, rather hard on the two teams who haven't played any teams, uh, any matches at all. Rosario Central, Newell's Old Boys, Patronato, all of those teams have fewer than 60 points, all from 52 matches played. Um, just above them, Lanús, Argentinos Juniors, Colón and Banfield. I am a little bit surprised now that I'm reading up this list to find that San Lorenzo are actually 12th. Um, in the relegation standings and therefore not as deeply mired in shit as I expected. Mm. I think some of that has to do with the fact that they had that six-point um, yeah, penalty given reversed, them back right? them, yeah. um, which I was forgetting about. So they officially finished at the end of last season. Their official points total was given as 17 points. Um, and if we take six off their total, then they would have been down on 67 points. Um, from 52 games, which would have had them, yeah, a little bit further down the table. Um, but they've actually now got 73 points. Uh, they, they finished last season on 23. They've been given a big fine, as were Huracan, who's, I think, Huracan had a three-point fine, uh, which was overturned. Um, and they were both fined something like the price of 50 
Popularis for uh, 50 yeah, Ceres tickets like that, or, yeah. or 150 or something like that um, in, uh, as punishment for not paying players properly. Um, so San Lorenzo, in fact, having Which said... They, they still are doing. They, they're not paying. They, they, they actually yeah. weren't paying for a Colombian guy and they just said, we'll send him back. And that's, a, that's that. Indeed. Um, so after I said earlier that San Lorenzo need to get off to a good start or they're in trouble, perhaps not quite so much, but they did still have to rebuild the squad because, of course, the Promedios are going to continue the following season and in a couple of seasons' time, San Lorenzo are going to lose the 50-point season that they had in 2017-18. Um, and then they would be in trouble if they'd had a bad season this year as well. Um, so, three teams are going down, as we now know. Anybody want to take a guess at which three teams those might be? At least very early stage in the season, without knowing anything about the teams that are coming up? I think Central Cordoba Santiago del Estero is definitely going down okay. as one of the three. And if I had to guess, I'd say both Gimnasia and Patronato will join them. I think Gimnasia look pretty, on their day, surprisingly good, but for the most part, really, really bad last season in the league. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised at all if... if yeah, they... Newells have also got a lot of improving to do. Yeah, they did improve. I actually, just by name of it, they... I got a manager who's proven in the top flight in Kudelka and some proven top flight players. But uh, Gimnasia, for the most part, made the best games having yeah. Hurtado and Silva up front and they lost, lost both. So, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and of course, they also kind of left a better impression by the end of the season because they rather shocked me. I think they made the semi finals of the Copa Superliga. After being absolutely terrible for the, I, I know they put defensive. Wasn't the final? No, the, the final was Tigre against Boca. The uh, final Boca was Tigre against Boca, okay. and uh, no, this was the quarterfinals. Quarters. Okay, they put defensive Justicia yeah. out in the, yeah. the round of sixteen. I remember. Um, I can't remember who they beat to get into that round of sixteen, um, but they looked a lot better in in that than they had done during the actual season. Um, but yeah, I, I suspect it's going to be Gimnasias. Central Cordoba and I'll go for I mean I'd, I'd love to see them manage to stay up but I think it's going to be between Patronato and Argentinos for the other spot it's, Patronato made it barely made it because of uh, some yeah, very lucky results and uh, I don't think they can sustain they, they beat a lot of teams in Paraná and I guess that may continue but they've got Nothing that you they've lost Bertoli, the yeah, which was the goalkeeper slash mayor. Or, well, he's not actually the mayor, he's like <laughs> a town councillor, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But I, I prefer to refer to him as the goalkeeper mayor. Um, they lost him, he's retired, they and, lost their well, political influence, so take now, up politics. Yeah. they're going down, yeah. Um, it, it's I, gonna I will, be tricky. I will put Arsenal in the list at least to fight, not to be related uh, as a new, uh, new club in the not new club, but uh recently promoted and you mentioned news and Rosario Central is both teams from Rosario and Rosario Central appears to have been benefited by the decision of uh, having three relegated teams instead of four at least in the start, at the start. oh yeah in the, right now they're, yes. they're not in the relegation zone because of that decision yeah um, they're actually both of them are dead level on the points average they've both got 58 points from 52 yeah but Rosario Central is one of those teams that uh, on paper, you 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 would have guessed would have 
much better, uh, much better performance that they did. So I, I, I think they've struggled to cope with life after Caldet. Yeah, that's probably it. Um, but they've got Coca now as a manager as of. Uh, in near the end of last season, there was some internal struggle too. They appointed Ferrari as interim manager, and nobody wanted him, not even the players or the fellow uh, dirigentes. So, yeah, yeah, after basically, I mean, the club didn't really do it, but the press to an extent just kicked Bowser out after he won the Copa Argentina, which was their first trophy in like 177 years or something. Yeah, they won, um, they didn't play well by under Bowser, but they won and. They just said, "Well, thanks for nothing for this, and yeah. now you go." It, it, it's a kind of a weird one because obviously Rosario, as a city, has such an important place in Argentine football. Just full stop, end of sentence. Um, and and it's a great rivalry and everything. And yet, from the outside, uh, it, it, I'd find it kind of amusing if they both went down in the same season. Yeah, just because they hate each other so much that I they'll be wondering whether to celebrate the other's that's relegation. That's to the point. Of it, I, I think they focus too much on the rivalry between them that they just mm. barely making it better than Newell's was all they all they cared and they missed on the uh, all the rest they yeah. basically wasted a year and a half no exactly um, it, it's also obviously exacerbated now by the fact that these league championships at the moment are so short that teams don't really have much of a chance to recover especially to recover from a bad start uh, when you only I mean this season we're going to have 23 matches that's not a league type championship no it's that, nothing that's, that's half of the English second division that's nothing that's very few matches um, it's it's insane that's um, the thing also with the the promedios because uh, you've still got uh, some of the of the seasons that are taken into account which, which were many more matches played yeah so. yeah Seven, so last season obviously there were 24 Four matches played because there was a twenty. No, hang on, no, there, there were twenty-five matches played because it was twenty sixteen. And the season before that, there were twenty-seven matches played because it was a twenty-eight team league. Um, f- by a, a sheer coincidence, oh no! In fact, not everybody has. Uh, I was about to say everybody other than Arsenal and Central Cordoba have played fifty-two matches. And then I chanced upon because everybody's played fifty-two. It's five-two, 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 five-two. And then there's one column in the matches played, which is two-five. Uh, Aldo have 25 matches because of course they were promoted at the start of last season so they're dividing by fewer games played than everybody else they had a great season Yeah, they did they did really well they, um, if they do really well again then they could potentially this time next year they could be at the top of the table although that would be quite surprising they lost um, one of their best players uh, Chavez Christian Chavez went yes. to Independiente yeah, yeah. Yes. Uh, which is a, a one that we didn't mention before the break but which is a very interesting signing for, for Independiente um, but it, it's a funny one because if Aldosimi start to lose matches if they start badly then they could plummet down the table as well uh, so it, it's one of those it's a mixed blessing let's say uh, yeah I, I, in regards to the, the Rosario clubs I see them both improving I can't see how Newell's can be any worse than they were they mm-hmm. had huge financial troubles uh, they were taking away three points and never give them back. No, actually, they gave them back to them and they, they took them away yeah. again against Arsenal. And they ended up being the only ones that got points taken away, I think. That uh, was for the season before last, though, wasn't it? Yeah. That they had those uh, taken off rather than for last yeah, season. Yeah, and they were giving them back right. on the season before and then now they, uh, they finally said that, yeah, you don't get them back. Yeah. But uh, 
again, they, they had very few up players last season and now I think at least from a managerial point of view they, they must improve. Kudelka seems like a proven proven guy. Um, I'm just looking and, and trying to, to work out because I remember last season, uh, this time last year when we were previewing the Promedios, it was like this is going to be complete chaos and there's no real way of predicting who's going to go down because there were like half of the league was within about nine points or something. And this time it's not quite at that point but you've still got nine points separating Gimnasia in the relegation zone on 56 points from Estudiantes who are 14th in the average points table with 65 points um, between them you've got Estudiantes Banfield, Colón, Argentinos, Lanús Patronato, Newell Central and Gimnasia and then obviously the two newly promoted sides who are below Gimnasia um, but it, it could develop into another dogfight like that, even though then it's not quite as tightly packed as as it was twelve months ago. Um, yeah, I think it has to do with numerals of composition of the teams mainly. Yeah. Uh, last year uh, you couldn't pick out two or three teams who were clearly better than the other ones between the the teams playing for the relegation, and I think you can this year. Uh, Patronato again punched well above their weight last year, uh, mm. so I, I don't see how they they can stay. No, last, last year a lot of the sort of intrigue as well came from the fact that Vélez had been appalling in 2017-18 and really yeah. needed to, uh, to kick on, and they did. Uh, but even then, um, Vélez were kind of teetering just above that relegation battle rather than actually definitely being in it, and, um, and, and they, they stayed well clear of it eventually all season. And so you're looking for that kind of improvement. Um, Argentinos, I have to say, are... are a club who I don't think any of us have mentioned so far, but they're going to be down there unless they get really very significantly better. Um, they lost to Colón in the Copa Sudamericana on penalties last week um, in two matches, which were just... Did you guys watch them? Uh, the Yeah, the one in the, the penalties, yeah. They were so bad. Yeah, they were both of them. Really the, bad the, the first leg was like there were moments there was maybe 10 minutes across the 90 where there was actually some football broke out amongst the otherwise just this sort of yeah Argentinos might be really in trouble because uh, they, they the depended pretty much on Alexi Macalister yeah. to do everything he was their top goal scorer top assist man their top chances created man here and now he's going to be Boca Juniors <laughs> top sub and they saying no I think he's playing he's starting today uh, yeah you think yes. yeah I hope he doesn't. I hope he keeps that position because he's a very talented player. Yeah, actually, Alfaro is playing him on the left where he has always said he didn't have any player for that position and they didn't sign anyone. So that goes back to the thing where I said that, that was, Boca had the best transfer window. But that should have on been the left of like a 4 2 3 1. 4 2 3 1 or a 4 4 2 or whatever you want to call it. But. Yeah. Uh, he played the Reynoso there, Bebelo Reynoso, and Bebelo Reynoso cannot play no, wide. He never really played his way into it, yeah. No, he just doesn't play wide. They, yeah. He starts the game there and he doesn't take any 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 action and he drifts to the center and he starts playing. Yeah. Sorry, Andres, I, I spoke over you a second ago. No, no, uh, that initially that place, that midfielder or left midfielder uh, was going to be for. At least Boca said that they were going. Uh, looking for Mesa and uh, Acuna, 
finally they, they yeah, yeah. go. There were the transfer window targets, but uh, mm. again, um, I don't know if Boca had the best transfer window if they missed on the most probably most important target, which was a little guy on the on the midfield. But uh, well, Alexi McAllister seems to be taking yeah. down that spot at least for now. But for Argentinos, who was pretty much their whole team, I don't. Yeah, and they sold um, they sold him and signed uh, Silva. Who's the one who's going to give the ball to Silva? Well, that's the problem. Yeah, yeah. Precisely. Uh, I mean, Santiago Silva is a forward who can occasionally conjure a goal out of nothing. Um, so he's, he's going to be another one. I keep using this word interesting, but it, it's going to be interesting to see him in that team. But the team are just not interesting to watch at all. Um, and Colón are barely any better. I mean, the fact that that was a Copa Sudamericana last... Is it last 32? Probably, because the they are merging with the Libertadores yeah. guy, uh, teams that were... The, the fact that that was that tie and that Colón are now through to the, the last 16 after... I mean, for, so for the benefit of listeners who weren't following, because obviously we didn't record last week, it was there were two 1-0 away wins. Um, Argentinos beat Colón in the first leg in Santa Fe and Colón got a win here in Buenos Aires um, last week and, and then subsequently won... A shootout, which I think it's fair to say, Argentinos' new best player, Lucas Chavez, the goalkeeper, um, can be pretty pissed off with his teammates with. Because he saved Colón's first two kicks in the shootout. Yeah. And Argentinos' own takers missed both of theirs. And when I say missed, I mean put them off target. Um, sent the goalkeeper the wrong way and scuffed them both wide. Uh, and as a result, or partly as a result of that, Colón went on to win the shootout. Um, so I, I think that Lucas Chavez now is, is... He's a bit like David De Gea and Jose Mourinho's Manchester United, who I watched for depressingly long amounts of time a couple of years ago. Uh, he's, it, it's, it's bizarre when you see a, a team whose best player is clearly the goalkeeper, but it's S- Similar to what happened uh, with Godoy Cruz and Huracán in the Copa Argentina, uh, mm. where 2-1, I think it was, for Godoy Cruz. Uh, four penalties missed by, by Huracán. So yes, uh, dreadful. Yeah, I don't know what to make about Huracan. Also, they had, uh, they were really good and their Faro and then Mohamed. They were just trash, just appalling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had a huge turnover on players. Uh, I think the first day on the preseason they had like ten actual players show up. So that's another team that might actually. Return to what Huracan Huracan was usually, which was battling for staying in the top flight. And remind me who the manager is now. Uh, Boyola, the former uh, manager yes. of uh, Tacheres. Yes. And Newells, uh, although and Newells. for a much shorter period of time. I think yeah, and the face of like Six matches at Newells, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, we might as well mention then the Copa Argentina, since it has had a couple of mentions just now. Since we last recorded, which was two weeks ago, so let's say that, what was that, like the 10th of July... Um, we are into the last for the most part the last 32 that Racing Boko Nidos match uh, was the last 64 for some reason well no the reason is it's the Copa Argentina and they don't play all of the leg every round at once no Racing um, was in the title race and said I don't want to play we don't want to play any uh, matches besides nice. the title race so they didn't and so play they just went alright yeah yeah, because Argentina. it's Argentina. Um, but the other matches are all the last, the, the 16th of final, or the last 32, as we call it in English. 
Um, and those finished. As Andres says, Godoy Cruz uh, put Huracan out after a rather amusing penalty shootout um, uh, following a 1-1 draw. Gimnasia y Esgrima de Mendoza and River Plate also drew 1-1. And then, as I mentioned earlier, River went through on penalties. Uh, they were slightly fortunate, perhaps, to do so. I think, he, uh, if I remember rightly, Gimnasia had a couple of chances in the second half. Yeah, they missed yes. they could have won. And, and the oh, they missed, yeah, they missed they a penalty, penalty save, didn't they? And a, a clear, very clear chance just when the match uh, mm. started uh, with that looks safe. It was like uh, he, the, the strike was along with him and couldn't finish it well. Uh, Club Atlético Mitre versus Estudiantes de la Plata was a, a fairly routine uh, 2-0 win for Estudiantes. Uh, Gimnasia La Plata and Defensa y Justicia drew 1-1. Defensa y Justicia had a man sent off um, and in spite of that they still managed to win the shootout because obviously having had a man sent off isn't that big a disadvantage in a penalty shootout. Um, no, but the, the, the other team has to I think they have to Quick on the player. Take an hour yes, player. exactly. Yes. Yeah, for the shootout, it doesn't make a difference. But he was sent off towards the beginning of the um, uh, first half, after which Himnasia got their equaliser. Um, the, the, the man in question being, so I've just realised I should really say who it is, shouldn't I? Marcelo Herrera. Uh, so Defensa Justicia are through there. And Lanús versus Independiente Rivadavia de Mendoza, uh, which was played just a couple of days ago, finished 1 0 to Lanús thanks to a basically last second goal it was like four or five minutes into stoppage time um, from Marcelo oh god what's this Herrera Marcelino no Marcelino Moreno was there. that's the one Marcelino yes. sorry that's not Marcelo Marcelino Moreno uh, I always look at the Marcelino and think oh that's like a Brazilian style nickname and so I just want to call him Marcelo but it isn't it's, it's his name I, I want to see Lanús play that's another team that seems intriguing they had Svaldia yeah. and they, the thing with them was there's whether who would score goals they had they brought in Sebastián Rivas who had a horrible spell at Newell's previously and who had, had a, scored had a horrible attempt. career until he turned up at Patronato and suddenly started scoring goals yeah but uh, I, I think yeah. we worked out at one point about halfway through that season it was like one third of all of the goals he'd scored in his entire career was like a 30 year old striker had been scored that season for Patronato it was ridiculous yeah now he's out of Lanús and they actually just brought Pepe San back and they're still counting on Pepe San and, but they they had a, some signings that make sense for them like uh, Abecasis who had a, a Munoz, good spell it was also the former vocal defender and the uh, yeah Ezequiel Munoz they brought back Ezequiel Munoz from the Serie A and Rossi. Agustin Rossi Boca's mm. uh, ex-goalkeeper uh, to replace Sara another Boca ex-goalkeeper who had a couple blunders yeah, he didn't do that well. Uh, they will be bringing back Jose Sand for his, like, 75th spell at yes. Lanús at the beginning of the 2065-2066 uh, Superliga season. I'm pretty certain. Uh, uh, I, it's, it's a wonder. He's, he still scores and he yeah. can barely move. He <laughs> can barely play for any other club as well. I mean, almost everywhere else he's, he's not that great. And yet they don't Lanús. play. He can barely move, actually. He, he's one of the least mobile players in the top flight by, by a large gap and uh, yeah uh, in, in the Copa Argentina Lanús will be playing either San Martín de Tucumán versus or, or Argentinos Juniors Defensa Justicia will be taking on Patronato or Independiente Estudiantes uh, de la Plata await Estudiantes de San Luis or Barracas Central um, 
the other uh, what's this going to be quarterfinals are they no semi-final um, no the one before the quarters the last 16 the other last 16 time on that side of the draw is Bicha Mitre de Bahia Blanca or San Martin de San Juan against all boys or Central Cordoba uh, on the other side of the draw we have one entirely complete fixture which is Godoy Cruz versus River Plate um, the others are either Boca or Almagro versus Tacheres or Banfield uh, Sol de Macho versus Colón uh, sorry, Sol de Macho or Colón versus Atletico Tucumán or Boca Unidos um, Arsenal versus Estudian or, or Estudiantes de Buenos Aires versus Belgrano or Real Pilar who were a club who were founded about three years ago if I yeah, remember rightly they, so, they knocked out Vélez Real Pilar knocked out Vélez yes, yeah. they did uh, we have the intriguing possibility, which is not going to be tedious and um, deeply annoying to any of their non-supporters in Argentina at all, of a River versus Boca semi-final in the Copa Argentina. I'm mostly intrigued by that because I was under the impression that the Copa Argentina was deliberately rigged so that River and Boca would only ever meet in the final and that's what they were hoping would happen. But I guess maybe after seeing what happened in the Libertadores final last year, they thought, no, actually, we don't want to do that. Yeah, I think they did it on the first the first couple of, of times and then they just went with it and said, let it be. The first couple of times there was definitely like the classical, any yeah. classical rivals were just kept in opposite sides of the draw. Like yeah, in the first, uh, in the first edition since the reinstatement of the Copa uh, that actually Boca won against Racing, the semi-final yeah. was uh, Racing River. So they yes, might have was, got, yeah. they might have got, got in the... The Super Classico final, but uh, River couldn't and couldn't top Racing. If there were, it, I think it won't be it won't be possible. But Central News in a final, uh, I, I I will say that they play in Rosario, uh, not in a neutral venue because going all of the supporters to another place will be chaos. Disastrous. Uh, but then you know when when River played defensively with DC a couple of years ago, they played it in Mendoza, and the stadiums are four hundred meters apart something like that so who knows um, anyway let's move on to listeners questions we have had I suspect not very many because I only put out the appeal for listeners questions um, when we started recording uh, but one of them at least was asked about 10 days ago from Bud Bundy he says I'm, I'm going to have to put this one over to, to you guys uh, I think I'll have a go if neither of you can but he says can you please explain something that I mentioned on the last podcast affiliated and non-affiliated Ooh. clubs so the background was that I mentioned last week that the uh, last week two weeks ago in the last episode uh, that below the second division um, the the leagues were split into clubs directly affiliated to the Argentine Football Association and clubs who were indirectly uh, rather than non-affiliated to the Argentine Football Association. Um, can either of you who've you know lived in Argentina for longer than I have tell me why this is and indeed tell Bud why this is? I think it has basically to do with time and the, back in the day there was... Uh, Central tournament that mostly had a team from Buenos Aires and they started as adding teams from other leagues and uh, yeah. each each province had their own leagues. For example, uh, La Liga de Rosario, uh, which was from Rosario, not really a province, but uh, 
mostly had their own teams and still does. Liga Rosario still exists, La Liga de Córdoba still exists, mm. and they started adding up teams and those were the, the ones that ended up being the directly affiliated ones. Once it was so populated, they started grouping them under the Ligas del Interior and that's how you came up with that. Yeah, that's more or less my understanding. I think it, it's just, you use that word central that, to start with and the Argentine League was a centralised league around, specifically centralised around around the capital. Um, yeah, before the, 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 the kind of the urban corridor, right? It's like Rosario... Buenos Aires and, and La Plata are the central, in inverted commas, bits as far as the AFA is concerned. Yeah, you can add Cordoba, which is... But Tacheres played in the Federal A when they were in Tacheres played in the Federal A. They're not directly affiliated. With the Cordoba teams, there's... I think one maybe, maybe directly affiliated oh, yeah. and the other don't. I don't yeah, know. Well. They, they were uh, an extra uh, later than the the teams from Rosario, okay. Uh, but yeah, uh, I think it has to do with the previous denomination of the tournaments we had: a Metropolitano and the Nacional, yeah. and the both the, Metro- the 80s. yeah in the eighties. And the Rosario clubs played the Metropolitano because they were being they were uh, directly affiliated and not the yeah. Um, so the it it it's a historical thing essentially. Did, to, to explain it really, really simply, basically anybody, any club from outside those three cities, Buenos Aires, Rosario, La Plata, and, and uh, if Julian's memory is correct, one of the quarter. No, I, I, don't, um, I, I can't vouch for that. It, but any, any, any clubs other than clubs from those three urban areas is, is probably going to be indirectly affiliated. So it's, it's a geography thing. Essentially, the AFA started out. Yeah, the thing is, once, basically, the, the Greater Buenos once, Aires Football Association. Once they, they decided to the country. to actually play against everybody or have everyone plays against everybody, they mm. didn't make a, a no. proper league and they but just made it Argentina football style and said, "Yeah, well, yeah, you guys it, go over here." It remains, a, a, I guess, a, a, a good shorthand way of. Um, of organising the lower divisions where a lot of the clubs don't really have the money to travel the length and breadth of this enormous country. Yeah, but you uh, got the, the thing that... So uh, it makes sense to have a regional... Primera C teams travel, um, I don't know, very few kilometres to play yeah. their, their thing. And yeah, because they're all in Buenos Aires. Yeah, teams <laughs> playing in the Federal B travel from one point of the country to the other. You have yeah. to play in Jujuy and Rio Negro and they're both on the same, mm. the same tournament. That's a good point. The Federal B is nationwide... Yeah, now they actually... Oh, they, na- they nationalized it a couple of years ago. They yeah, merged it with the Federal C, so now you've yeah. got a whole thousand... See, I, I thought they kind of regionalized it down into the what was previously the Torneos del Interior, which were the, a bunch the, of local championships. They regionalized the Federal C first, okay. and then they merged the Federal C with the Federal B, and it's all regionalized over there, and it's a big mess. So it's like... A third and a fourth division in one. Uh, God, that's easy. Yeah, and actually, yes, because you can, in the Federal Bay, you can stay like eight months without competition, and that was yes. one of the things that uh, many clubs complained about, that once they merged the Federal Bay with the Federal C and the reg- regionalization, that was a huge mess. Yeah. Wow. We're going to have to do a lot more research on this and maybe come in with a, a special episode on this for our Patreon supporters. Um, but it's going to give me a headache, I think. Um, 
Bud also says, have Messi's comments during the Copa America created a problem for Argentine Copa Libertadores teams with Conmebol and referees slash VAR, etc.? Yeah. So, Bud asked that question, as I said, 10 days ago. Uh, yesterday, we had confirmation of Lionel Messi's punishment for his comp. No, sorry, not for his comments. Forgive me, Conor. Actually, there's... For, uh, for the yeah. red card that he definitely should have been given during the third-place playoff. Uh, yeah, yeah, really Getting in the way of that. Gary Medell's uh, shoulders. Um, he's been given one match and a 1,500 US dollar fine, which I suspect he'll be able to find down the back of his sofa somewhere. Um, no, they will... Uh, I think they will, they will be... Technically speaking, the, yeah, the Afro yeah, had it deducted from their prize payment yes. for the tournament or something but you know it, it goes down on, on the dis- and I'm sure that the Afro yeah. are going to be asking Lionel Messi to give them that money but it goes down on, on the record as a, a fine for Lionel Messi um, the stuff is for what he said after the Brazil uh, semi-final elimination about um, corruption and everything is still open that's not been decided yeah I yet. think the I heard that the, he might be actually because of that it's a disciplinary action committee that takes the penalty for him and yeah. uh, there was a mention of maybe six months ban because it's not on the matches ban as the red card would mm. would gets you banned from actual matches. So this six is a ten man carnival competition. No, from every competition. So he wouldn't be a, FIFA. Yeah. But there's no FIFA competition, so he wouldn't be able to take part in the friendly games that Argentina is playing on the FIFA dates from uh, which, here on out, which is... Which he probably wasn't going to do anyway. Yeah. Um, I think it... Did, did Condeball even have the the jurisdiction to say, we're banning you from FIFA competition? Though? I think it ban- it, it's just a ban and you're banned from international play okay. uh, as, a, as a whole. Uh, on that front, uh, they kicked out uh, Carlos Tapia, Chiqui Tapia, yesterday from Comebol. They did, which a lot of people suspect uh, is a sort of quid pro quo, quid pro quo uh, that Tapia uh, was happy to, to basically take the bullet for Messi, you know, only being bound for one game. Um, yeah, but I, I but think it's again, misunderstood because the one game... It's a ridiculous red the, card. The one main... him from the game after reviewing that and saying, the, yeah, he definitely deserved The one, one game uh, pertains to the red card, which was always going to be one game. Nobody either. Neither Messi nor Medel merited more than one game for that stupid centre. But you think it was a red card? Yeah, I, I do. Yeah. Why? Uh, because he didn't back away from the from the, the, the conflict. Yeah, maybe. Probably Medel started. He also didn't charge in and, and do any of the stuff that Gary Medel was doing there. Which no, was a bit probably not, but again, he was part of it. And okay. He must have said something, and I don't know if the referee actually heard him, but. Yeah, he did. Eh, well, if you want to play innocent, play innocent and just fell down and fake like most guys. Medel did nothing sure. to Messi, too, so if he just had just fallen and there was no excuse to. Yeah, well, he yeah. whacked him a few times with his shoulders, yeah, which is a bit and weird, he, and then he headbutted Showed him, he was, yeah. I, I, I'm fine with the red card. I think the, uh, a yellow card for both would have, would have sufficed, but um, okay. yeah, I'm, I'm not totally against a red card. I probably would have yeah. just shown a yellow card. I, 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 the other thing I will say is, if, if you do think that it's a red card, then I mean, I, obviously I'm from European football background, um, but surely that's a two-match battle. 
So that again, was a well, you, you can as we say, you yeah. can make it whatever you want. But, but I think that but that, the that ban are still to be decided. Yeah, that ban pertains just to the the red card, the whatever he said prior to the match after Brazil match, mm. or prior to the Chile match, or after, even after Chile match. That's a whole other thing, and that's what why they're telling that saying that he's gonna get a, a six month ban. Anyway, Bud's question. Uh, just to try and drag ourselves back on topic here, yeah. I've just realised that we've been talking for about five minutes and we haven't actually answered the question, which was, has it created problems? And of course, when Bud asked this ten days ago, there was no real way of, of, of knowing, but uh, we now, we can say something about it. Has it created a problem for Argentine Copa Libertadores teams with Comebol and referees slash VAR? Well, last night, River Plate were quite angry River Plate fans for most of the game uh, or a significant part of the game that the referee hadn't given them what well, there was one or two right I, as I said I kind of stopped paying full attention during the second half because it was just and they gave one game. they didn't give another they, one they that wanted, River wanted at least one and possibly two prior to that and then they gave one which was just a classic VAR penalty yeah, just yeah. like I don't understand how any centre-backs think they're going to get away with that in the age of VAR yeah, it was a short pull and inevitably as soon as it happened I looked at my timeline and there were Boca fans just going, oh, this is proof that Conmebol are in the pocket of River Plate again. And just thinking, just, it, it's one of the moments, whenever either River or Boca get given a penalty, it makes me want to unfollow about half of the people on my Twitter timeline because you're just like, you will find a conspiracy in anything. It, that is a Stonewall VAR in 2019 penalty. Yeah, no. Because the yeah. uh, it, because it should I mean, it should in normal circumstances it's sure a penalty they pull them from the shirt penalty whatsoever mm-hmm. how do you explain the Arthur versus Aguero no penalty there it's Brazil uh, in Brazil uh, it's conspiracy then it's not the, the clear cup 2019 penalty because if that's a penalty no, how can how can Arthur check in aware and not be a penalty but the weird thing with all of those was was the, the fact that the VAR didn't look at them yeah no, I, or, I agree or the referee refused both to were penalties for me one more clear than the other one yeah. absolutely or, or, a, a bigger offence than the other one then I, the, the, the other one that they were uh, asking for which was uh, one of the the day one of the centre backs from Crusado stepping on the Food of yeah, uh, of uh, what was it Montiel? Montiel. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't have been that. No, th- that was the one that I didn't see. And the other so is was that he was not sure because he was he was falling and touched the ball. Oh, that so. yeah, no, I, I saw the replay of that. that no, like, but the the, the, the amendment to the rule speaks about that uh, a player hitting the kicking the ball and the ball accidentally yes. kicking hitting him in the hand and yeah. they said that's not a bit a deflects from another part of your body onto your hand. Yes. no penalty. In, in spite of which, loads of people, again, were like, oh, but that's Stonewall under the current handball rules. It's like, no, if you're going to talk about the current handball rules, then at least know what they are, for God's sake. Uh, anyway. Actually, well, uh, to be fair, the handball rule is totally it's rubbish. It, yes, it, rubbish. It, as, as is the offside one, as anybody who knows me on uh, well, Twitter. Well, the whatever. other one was the... Was the Cruzeiro disallowed yeah. goal, which was like a hair on the guy's head was offside. Again, as I've said several times on Twitter now, if I were president of FIFA, that would not have been offside and the goal would have stood. But, bizarrely, because they've apparently been told not to, the linesman raised his flag as soon as the guy got in behind, rather than... Yeah, he was a little eager to to take it up, I think. At any rate, I don't think 
that Argentine Copa Libertadores teams are going to be uh, disadvantaged by Conmebol because of what Lionel Messi said. I think that Conmebol... I'm not necessarily saying there's no conspiracy at Conmebol, but I think there are different levels of it at club and national team. I think they're not... And depending on where the games are played sometimes. I think Essentially, I think that there are a lot of very incompetent referees and they can be harmless. They're too incompetent to make that's, a conspiracy. That's about that's, it. That's my take. Yeah. Uh, but... Um, but Sorry. Go on, um, I was I was going to say about the Brazil because uh, uh, Julian uh, talked about the the penalty from Arthur to uh, Aguero was um, no Otamendi Arthur uh, Otamendi uh, sorry Aguero was with Dani Alves um, mm. uh, that a lot of people may think I don't think it's uh, 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 coherent that that. Uh, Brazil was benefiting this Copa America because of all the problems they had in the last Copa Libertadores with the suspensions and bans and and and, and the, the the lost the matches they lost in the in the desk uh, and this is something that they gave to compensate the other uh, and and that's another conspiracy theory that could could be applied could apply to to Cornwall because. Uh, we we all, all all the time think that things are fixed and matches are fixed and well and that's another point of view perhaps for yeah I've I've said before I, I think uh, are there no Conmebol conspiracy theories that are valid I think yeah probably one or two of them are I don't know which ones they are I don't think anywhere near as many as people say are actually there um, but they just so often they don't do themselves any favors at all in the way that they communicate stuff or the way that they just they, they seem to have a, a genuine habit of putting their foot in it um, but I do think the one thing that has hindered Argentine sides so far from what we have seen in the Copa Libertadores round of 16 he says looking over his shoulder to make sure that San Lorenzo still haven't scored against Cerro Porteño um, is the fact that they're going into the round of 16 without any competitive matches under their belts I mean okay River had the Copa Argentina game last week uh, but other than that, you know, three of the Argentine sides in the last 16 are playing Brazilian opponents. River against Cruzeiro, Godoy Cruz against Palmeiras, Boca later this evening against Atletico Paranaense. Yeah, um, the calendar is absurd. As, Brazil's as teams have been playing league football since the end of the Copa America. They're match sharp, they're up for it. They've had a, a Copa do Brasil game uh, last But again, it speaks well. to the incompetence of Comebol. Everyone was yeah. asking for uh, have a year-long Copa Libertadores, have a year-long Copa Sudamericana, and they said, okay, we have, we'll have it year-long. But they made it a uh, calendar year, and everyone was asking for a, a football like season year. See, I, I think that the calendar year thing works well, because it means that the winners then go into the Club World Cup fresh from the win, with the full squad high on momentum. Yeah, but... but the next Club World Cups after what the next couple of years are going to start then going to the middle of the year again because it's going to replace the Confederations it has, Cup it makes so no sense and, and it, the, it leads to this massive long gap in the middle uh, of the it didn't make any sense either for the Club World Cup uh, at least it made for the having the same team that won the Copa I, I, I'll grant that but uh, Club World Cup was has always been an event for the South American sites and people yeah. travel to the Club World Cup and now uh you, you made arrangements and, and plans to travel once your team won the Copa Libertadores, which was in the middle of the year, and you had like four months to actually plan and, and pay your trip. And, and, and for I, a lot of our Anglophone listeners from first world countries, I would just point out that for fans in Latin America, those few months to plan the trip and to find the best prices and everything really help. Yeah, <laughs> they make a, quite, a huge difference. So the, you're, now you're getting what? Two weeks? Hmm. A month? 
tops. Yeah. To travel, have the world to follow your team to who knows what country because it, it, you can't even plan for uh, being it in Japan or uh, now they're moving it to Morocco one year and then the, uh, the Emirates the other one. So uh, a year-long Copa Libertadores was a great idea. Uh, calendar year-long Copa Libertadores was definitely not a, not a great idea. And it gets you this. Some teams have been playing their first competitive match in the Copa Libertadores uh, after uh, Copa America and a turnover of probably half their team. Yeah. Uh, Jason Longshaw says, who is the most entertaining team in this season's Superliga for neutrals to watch? I mean, until it actually kicks off, it's really difficult to say because... Perhaps he it's so difficult to be consistent from one it? season to the other. No, no, no. He's asking oh, about the new season. Um... I'm going to take a little bit of a stab in the dark, maybe, and say Vélez, potentially. Yeah. They were hugely improved last season on the season before. Gabriel Hainse has, has remained. They've, by and large, kept the squad together. There have been a few interesting changes to it. Except um, for Vargas. Yes. They, they, I'm curious they, to see they, what Independiente does. Independiente with Independiente the could... as well. And, and Racing are going to be you know, good football to watch again. I'm not going to say River purely because they're not going to pay the league any attention again it's going to be all about the Libertadores until they're out of the Libertadores and then yeah, it's just going to be right Boca, next we qualify for the Boca next Boca will be the same and Libertadores will be all they're thinking yeah. one. but also I mean, no offence man but even when Boca play you know well and, and no no that's, that's what they're I, still not necessarily the most entertaining that's what was that goes back to my point of Alfaro he has a low ceiling as a manager yeah. uh, even the best Alfaro team won't won't wow you. Yeah. Uh, but if Becasese can make, uh, I don't know, half, um, three quarters of what he did with Defensa Justicia with Independiente, which has considerably yeah. better players, they should be the team to watch. Indeed, yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd go along with that. So one of those handful. Uh, Tom Robinson says, has it been one step forward, two steps back for the women's national team following the Pan American Games squad selection? Um, I'm going to say, first of all, I'll say potentially. Uh, so the background to Tom's question is that the, um, players. some of the players from the World Cup um, were not too happy with Carlos Borrello, with, with, with the technical team's management of things, um, and <sighs> criticised him behind closed doors and were subsequently left out of the... Uh, squad list and then went public with that criticism. Depending on who you listen to, the the claim from the other side is that those criticisms only came about after they've been left out of the squad. It, it's a bit of a, a delicate issue to go around and we will hopefully be able to cover it in a bit more detail with somebody who knows much more about it than I do uh, on next week's Hunger Pod. Um, but it, it's, it's potentially... But I, I, I do think it's still... 2019 as a whole is going to have been more positive than negative uh, for women's football in Argentina, partly because of the increased visibility and you know what was still, in comparison with the ones that had gone before, a massively positive um, Women's World Cup campaign from Argentina, um, and partly because of the professionalisation of the Superliga. Since we last recorded, we've had River and I believe Boca, is that yes. right? Uh, squads of both side professional contracts. Obviously that's 
you know, obliged. It, San Lorenzo. Actually, but yeah, San Lorenzo did San Lorenzo several already, months ago. Yeah, there's uh, two months ago. Now there's quite a. Oh, we're going to get a bunch more because the, there's quite this year now because of uh, Rosario Central being put in the first division of women's soccer oh, because yes. they fielded the team and they just. Oh really? Yeah, they said we have oh, a team. Uh, yeah, you can play in the oh. first division, and there's been some criticism from within the. Uh, women's football because they were previously playing in the Liga Rosa Arena. The yeah, they, they didn't have a team at the in the second division, and mm. they just promoted them because they feel they're a professional team now. And yeah, I don't know how. Uh, you can argue both ways uh, on both counts, both on the Rosario Central having a professional team and the means and the willingness to pay for a for a professional foot, the women's football team, and that being enough of a case to make them play in the in the top flight but then again yeah as a Manchester United fan I'm, I'm going to reserve comment here um, those of you who follow women's football in the UK will understand <laughs> yeah it's basically Man United did exactly the same yeah, thing but a year it, ago but with the second division rather than the it, it's the happened on the on the, the Spanish uh, football uh, I think too where Real Madrid basically bought taken over yeah, Chacon right they taken over another team and they but you you could say that's probably uh, better than actually granting promotion to a team that hasn't played in the second division. Yeah. Someone, but then again, you're going to the USA sports mall franchises and buying your your way in. Yeah, it's a tricky one because if you want to professionalize the top flight, and then you've got a club who say, you know what, we'll fund the professional team the top flight yeah that's what I'm saying yeah then it's, it's kind of hard to say no and yet at the same time obviously uh, you know as, as I hinted a minute ago I'm aware of some of the controversy that, that was created last year when, when Man United decided to rebirth their women's uh, women's national team <laughs> their women's team um, in the second division and as a result it cost a couple of very well partly as a result it cost a couple of, of uh, very traditional women's football clubs in England their second division status um so, yeah, I hadn't heard about Central, so thank you for that detail, Julian. Um, JM says, I've read that River are straddled with debt again. Rumours are that it is due to the devaluation of the Argentine peso. Well, yeah, okay, that applies to every club in Argentina. Um, how do other big clubs avoid having this issue? They don't. Uh, do they? Boca does, because it has a massive amount of socios who just... Pay and pay and pay and pay and well, too. Which is, I guess the question then would be: So do River? So yeah, but River has a whole lot of other activities which mm. the club. Uh, it's actually uh, active in, in other sports, and people go to the club to just so. Sure. So that money is going into something, whereas for yeah, Boca, and Boca it's, has it's, it's not only the the socios who go to the stadium and actually. Make but the whole adherentes who have absolutely no rights besides waiting for someone of the socios activos oh, of to. Of course, they're like on form. a waiting list to, yeah. have to go into the stadium. It, essentially, it's yeah. massive. It's like a uh, hundred thousand people or fifty thousand yeah. people or something like that who just pay a, a fee and. And they don't do anything. They no, they, just, they have no rights. Literally, mm-hmm. they just they aren't members as all the others who can use bogas various installations and stuff and they just back yeah so, so that, that difference is partly because at the beginning of the century the Boca president at the time essentially stripped back all of that sort of social and other sports stuff that Boca had no, they, they still have some so, but well, not, not, not as many because as River because not a political podcast I'm no, not going to mention who that president at the time no, was no River does have uh, also a, a school 
yeah. that Boca doesn't have and uh, many other activities that Boca does have. Boca still fills teams for many sports, but not as many as it did uh, back then. Mm. Uh, River, besides the team they filled in other sports, they have the whole the, the school and all the other stuff, and plus they are coming back from a very worse place than Boca, who... But they're still private. Right? They 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 yeah. get the win money. But yes, they have the hockey, tennis, uh, a lot of uh, sports that. Are the thing is, the starting point. Rivers came back from being absolutely flat broke, and Boca never did. And yes, they, they continue yeah. selling players left and right. God knows how for twenty million dollars mm. for Knight Hernandez, which is basically nobody has chen- knows how. Indeed. Uh, so James' question, how do other big clubs avoid having this issue? I mean, th- the short answer to that is that other than Boca, the other big clubs don't avoid having this issue because everybody in Argentina is affected by the devaluation of the Argentine peso. Uh, and then he says, does this ultimately mean that Marcelo Gallardo's days are numbered considering that he is one of the highest paid managers in the league? No, mm. it doesn't. No, uh, it doesn't. River are going to continue to pay Marcelo Gallardo. They're, they're not so badly in it that that they're completely fucked. Even if they were so badly in it, they still pay San Lorenzo is so badly in it and they just bought eight players and... And they're going to build a new stadium. And Independiente is the same and San Lorenzo literally didn't pay their players the previous semester and they were fine for it and they have bought eight new players, so... Uh, JM also says, will Lucas Prato be sold? Okay, so as I said, hinted earlier that that was mentioned last night but apparently it isn't going to happen. There was talk of him going to, was it Flamengo? Yes. Yeah, but thirty-five I, I think million dollars. True. Yeah, but true. it's not going to happen now, apparently. It was, it was scotched fairly soon after it uh, got reported. And if a Brazilian club is interested, wouldn't it be in River's best interest to sell, especially with Alvarez, Rol Heisser and Beltran performing pretty well? Well, Beltran is not performing, nor well, nor bad. Rol Heisser scored a penalty is, in the shootout. Uh, yes, yeah, scored his first goal uh, in a, in a friendly and... He, he's got personality, but he played only one match or part of it. And yes, Julian Alvarez is the most uh, who has been more active. Uh, the big, yeah, Julian Alvarez yeah. was probably. But exactly. I mean, I'd, no, I mean, no, Brazilian clubs it. aren't as interested as, as has been made out, and, and River are continuing to, to drive a relatively hard bargain. Uh, the thing with River was that they uh, they have a. a Junior player Sosa, who was gonna be going to be sold, uh-huh. which would have uh, leveled their their finances and would yeah. have pretty much made them possible to sign Paulo Diaz and such, and they didn't sell him. No. So they'll they'll, they'll manage it with somebody. I mean, by the end of the year, Quintero will be fit, and if he gets sold, then it could be for mega bucks. So they're not that bad, I suspect. But also, that last question ties in with Perfect Tommy's question, our final question of the evening, which is, another year with no main shirt sponsor for Reba? To which, disappointingly, from my aesthetes uh, point of view, the answer appears to be no. Right? Yeah, yes. there seems to be a, an agreement in place with the uh, yeah. From August onwards is what I've No, it was said that the Chinese liquor uh, brand was looking for uh, sponsoring River and, and the, the, the director was in the Monumental uh, taking photos, uh, pictures with Dionofrio and, and still it's not, I think it's not close, it's not, uh, the deal is not set, but mm. 
yes, they, they must. Some time ago, Donofrio said it wasn't priority, but it's money you cash in. So, yes. Yeah, exactly. And especially after they were playing, you know, hardball this time last year with... Uh, who were the previous sponsors? I've forgotten already. The previous... Uh, Bank. UBA. And then subsequently with Turkish Airlines saying, no, we want this amount. And they said no. So that, and, and so River just said, well, in that case, we're not going to have a chess sponsor. And the sponsors were like, yeah, you're going to have a chess sponsor. And they didn't for six months. And then they won the Libertadores. Yeah, yeah I think... Like, well, uh, we're in... in the biggest match in Libertadores history. With I the think World Turkish Airlines is back in, back in the running. That, that's, that's what I've um, been led to believe, yeah, is that Turkish Airlines are going yeah, to be... Yeah, the thing the about that was that Boca went away from the joint joint negotiations with, with both. the No local asset. Because oh, right, they both used to be Kilmes and then BBVA. Yeah, nobody wants to sponsor one and not the other. Yeah. Um, being it's like a Rangers-Celtic situation for our UK listeners. Yeah, and basically. It well, alienates a third of the country. Same, thing, yeah, same thing happened with, uh, with the Rosario clubs. Uh, they both had Paladini and other mm. local brands, but uh, they, they jointly negotiated. They had ne- jointly negotiations because nobody wanted to, as you say, alienate half the city in Rosario. Yeah. Probably. And once Boca had a chance to go to their... Main sponsor now, which is uh, Qatar, Qatar Airways. Qatar Airways, yeah. Yes. Qatar Airways, yeah. Uh, I think that broke the thing. Uh, they they didn't include River. And hmm. That's it. On that note, we're going to leave you. I'm not going to do Mystic Sam this week because I've not seen most of these teams in like oh. five months or something um, because it's been such a long time since the last Super League ended. Uh, so I'll be back next week and I'll do Mystic Sam then with the second round predictions. If anybody wants to challenge me, then feel free. Thank you very much for listening. Remember, if you want to watch the Superliga this weekend, to head over to fntz.co slash HOP and use the discount code HOPFZ or HOPFZ if you're in the United States um, to catch all of the Argentine domestic football this weekend with a seven-day free trial and 20% discount from Fanatis. And in the meantime, we'll see you again next week. Thanks and goodbye from Julian. Bye. Thanks for having me. Andres. Thank you. Goodbye. And me. Thank you and goodbye. There are two Copa Libertadores games that took place tonight. One was San Lorenzo versus Cerro Porteño, which finished 0-0. And the other one uh, was in Brazil, where Boca Juniors visited Atletico Paranaense. They got a 1-0 win. Alexis McAllister scoring on his debut thanks to a late deflected shot from just outside the box.